Hi, I'm Sarah Kreps. I'm a professor of government and law at Cornell University, and I am joined here today with my colleague, Professor Doug Kreiner, also of Cornell. So today we're talking about vaccines, the COVID-19 vaccine specifically. So political leaders have been talking for months about the eras of kind of before the vaccine and after the vaccine as if these are two different epochs. But whether that would be true would depend on an effective vaccine, but also a willingness of people to vaccinate. The emerging uh, evidence coming out of phase three clinical trials suggests that the first condition will be met. These vaccines appear to be very effective, over 90% efficacy rates. But what about the second, Doug? Will people vaccinate? Well, thanks so much for the conversation, Sarah. And that does seem to be the million dollar question. Having this amazing international collaborative effort to develop these vaccines with all of the time, energy, and human capital that's been spent into it might all go for naught if we can't convince people to actually take them, which means convincing them that they are safe and effective and that there hasn't been political pressure and meddling within the process. So public polls uh, have kind of been all over the place, especially in the United States, with some polls saying that about one in two Americans would take it, uh, a vaccine versus uh, up to three in four. But really, these public polls have a pretty significant limitation. They don't really tell you anything or the public anything about what these vaccines look like. Uh, and so some of our research together, we've tried to get some more insight into this question by looking at both vaccine characteristics and also political factors and how they affect people's willingness to take a COVID-19 vaccine. I think perhaps the best news is that the greater than 90% efficacy rates in the, uh, uh, the data that we have thus far from both Pfizer and Moderna should dramatically increase people's willingness to vaccinate. Uh, and they're going to be much more willing, according to our data, to take this vaccine uh, than if the efficacy was something more like a flu vaccine uh, or the minimum 50% efficacy threshold that the FDA had set for approval. But what about the politics? Uh, will it matter that there's an emergency use authorization rather than sort of a full approval? Uh, and also, Sarah, what are your thoughts on endorsements uh, and who it is that's out in front leading this public health campaign? Right. So since the very beginning of COVID-19, the, the virus has really been political and, and frankly, politicized. And so that the effects of that are very clear uh, in, in, in the research we've done, which is that, that really our bottom line is that political leaders should be staying out of this discussion so that it doesn't look like this was a, a sort of politicized uh, R&D effort. Uh, and so when we looked at whether, let's say, President Trump or uh, uh, Joe Biden, now President-elect Biden, endorsed the vaccine, that they can get some of their supporters, but the net effect is to dampen enthusiasm because it looks then like this vaccine has, it has these political uh, undertones. Uh, emergency use authorization, there's a, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it's necessary to get the vaccine out quickly. On the other hand, uh, it doesn't inspire the same amount of confidence in people as the full uh, the full process that would be associated in the U.S., for example, with uh, Food and Drug Administration authorization. Uh, and so really, I think it's important to communicate to the public with this rollout and with the mobilization to communicate really how thorough and systematic the EUA process is, that these corners aren't cut. And haven't been cut and that the politics, uh, that the, the, the evidence hasn't in any way been politicized, which is actually the case. 
but but so one of the things I think that came up uh, a month or two or, uh, ago was um, a case of AstraZeneca having a, a severe adverse uh, result in one of its trials. And then follow-up studies uh, or uh, stories about unintended errors and how they conducted the study. Um, you know, one of the things that's really important in a vaccine rollout is trust and confidence in the public. So how will these kinds of episodes affect confidence in the vaccine? Will it affect kind of vaccination in general, this particular vaccine? How do you see that? Yeah, these early missteps could be potentially very problematic. You know, you can sort of imagine a scenario in which um, you have a vaccine such as the one by Johnson Johnson or AstraZeneca that maybe is cheaper to produce, easier to scale up, um, and much easier to distribute versus the, the mRNA vaccines of Pfizer uh, and Moderna. Uh, and yet there are some of these questions that we have about what went on in the AstraZeneca trial uh, and really just sort of a, a lack of transparency uh, and, and people feeling that there might not be a, a full accounting of what's going on. And that's going to be critically important for public health officials to combat uh, and to assure people uh, that they can trust the safety and efficacy of the vaccines that they had. So one other question I'd like to sort of wrap up with with you, Sarah, is on the one hand, I think the, the efficacy levels for Moderna and Pfizer were extraordinary. Um, they're much higher than what a lot of experts expected. What if some of the later vaccines that might be more widely available have a lower efficacy rate? How do you think that might affect people's willingness to take them? Well, I think in a lot of ways, it's these early weeks, uh, days and weeks of the that vaccination that will be really important here. So if that confidence can be instilled in the public, I think that those lower efficacy rates will come out in the wash. So I think it's really important to get this right as we roll it out and instill that confidence in the public. Thanks so much for a great conversation. Thanks, Doug.